Welcome to the Rainbow Bull with Tim Volk from T. Volk and Company Consulting. In this podcast, Tim, a proud member of the LGBTQ community, discusses a range of topics around the five capitals of a flourishing family, human, intellectual, social, spiritual, and financial capital. Tim will use this framework as he and his guest experts delve into the secrets of the wealthy and how we might learn from them. So let's get started on this exciting adventure together. It's still complicated. In part one of this two-part series, your host Tim Volk and his guest Jill Shipley pulled back some of the curtains that hide the sometimes messed up ways that people relate to money. This time around, they tackle redefining success and coming out of the shadow for rising generations and families of wealth. So, Tim, remind us why Jill is here with you talking about this conundrum. First, I want to just thank Jill again for taking the time today to join us. I I am the uh, and you heard me say it on the last podcast. I am the president of our fan club. I'm self-appointed president. So that just so you know that. And um, so I, I love hanging out with Jill. Just the energy, we get so many. You can only imagine, you guys listening to the podcast, how we just go on and on and on talk. And then I think we've almost missed our flights talking sometimes <laughs> because we just talk. We're we're we've known each other because we're part of a global think tank that's dedicated to helping families flourish. And the concept is that no one's ever gonna feel sorry for a really wealthy family, yet wealthy families have the same problems that every family has. The wealth just magnifies it. Just, I can't even tell you how it magnifies it. Well, some of you might have seen it. You've you've probably been watching. We've talked about um, how the portrayal of really wealthy families on TV and in movies and film right now is not positive. And so I think you can imagine the challenges they face, although I think the television has done a, a is not necessarily the accurate portrayal of what's really going on. But Jill has spent her career working with families and helping them. And although she works for a financial institution, she works for um, Jill is the head of the family governance and education practice at Alti, which is formerly known as Tiedemann Family Office or Tiedemann Advisors. And she and I've known each other for years through our think tank. And we have these deep conversations, side conversations all the time about the challenges we face. <clears throat> and so in the work, I find the work she does to be fascinating because her expertise is in helping people relate to money and, and the challenges that we have in our relationship with money. So we talked about that a little bit in the previous podcast with her, but today we're going to focus on the rising generations. And this is uh, people that are growing up with families that are affluent uh, or really wealthy or super wealthy, similar behaviors on all of them, by the way. And, uh, uh, and it's a global phenomenon. It's not just in the United States. And there's some background that we can talk a little about what's happening with some of the, the families. Uh, there's some very interesting facts that she's been able to share with us. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Tim. I'm so honored to be here. I just adore you and I will take any excuse to get to spend more time with you. I feel so honored to be invited to share about myself and my work with your audience. So thank you for having me. Um, but what gets me out of bed? Gosh, I, I care. 
frankly, I, I don't, I'm not passionate about making rich people richer. What drives me is making sure the money is positive for the individuals, for their own identity, for the well-being of their relationships with others, including their children and grandchildren and extended family and friends. So I care so deeply about the impact, making sure that the impact of the money is positive on us, on our relationships and on the community and the world. And so that's what drives me. And I feel like I can have the biggest impact working with the wealthiest. Rather, I, I am very passionate about philanthropy, but I just think I can I can have create more transformational change by working for a financial firm, working with the wealthiest families in the world. So that's why I'm here. I love that because I, I think you and I agree that the idea behind this is not that we're trying to make wealthy people are wealthier, but the reality is that there have been wealthy people throughout time and in, in, in history. I think that what we've seen, particularly in the United States, is that there's some very wealthy families in our history that have done many, many, many great things. And that there's been, without them, we wouldn't have the libraries. We wouldn't necessarily have the big schools that we, that, you know, I think the Rockefeller family was the one that helped save and create the University of Chicago the way we know it today. Uh, I think that the uh, and, and sometimes the families didn't create the wealth in what, what I would call an upstanding way, but but the outcome of what they used the wealth for was far more impressive. Oh, Tim, can I interrupt you? Because we should really talk about that, what you just said. And I also have to say that although my passion is not increasing wealth, my firm is excellent at that. So I should say we yes. Yes. we are very good at that We're, objective, though that's mm -hmm. not what drives me. So I just wanted to add that in there. But your, <laughs> your, your comment about the way the wealth was made. So this conversation is about the next generation. So growing up in the shadow of someone else's success, especially when the way the wealth was made might have held other people down. Or we have a lot of rising gen that are really committed to improving the environment. And when they look at the practices of their family enterprise that created all of this financial wealth for the family, it's something that they're embarrassed by, that they feel shame about, and they're born into it. So they did nothing in this case we're talking about today in the in the rising generation it's really about nurturing the human and intellectual capital of the family but the side effect is the social and spiritual capital the spiritual yeah. capital is what we're going to use to help everybody stay together and keep their heads about them you know my grandmother used to say you know don't be getting so big for your britches that you don't remember where you came from and i think that there's some real truth to this you know because i think many people saw that and i think a lot of parents worry about it that you are worried about that what's the impact of the wealth going to be if the kids get the wealth yeah. what are they going to do they're going to spend it they're going to become drug addicts they're going to be alcoholics we both know that that those traits and we've had our our good friend arden o'connor on talking about addiction for example and we've had some other people like wesley davidson talking about what what do you do when your child's gay and happen to have an addicted child so we know that those outcomes are there, but that's not really the driver here. The driver is 
most families want their kids to be healthy. Wealthy is a side effect. What the, they want the kids to be, I don't know, I, I guess I don't want to use the word normal. That's not the right word because I don't like that word. I think no, they the want word, them to fit in. They want you to fit in. They want you to yeah. be productive. You're unhappy. I think what if we just said people want people to be happy? Kids want their parents to be happy. The wealth is a, is secondary. Yeah. Can I tell you about some of the challenge that I see with what you just described? Yeah. So this is kind of the stereotypical story that I hear that you have a first generation wealth creator, worked really hard, sacrificed a lot, but achieved a better life for their kids. So oftentimes that's the driver. You like you grow up with nothing and you think, I will never let my kids or grandkids live like this. So it, you have all this ambition and grit and drive to succeed and you get there and then you provide your kids a better life. And then you're frustrated that they don't have the same level of drive and ambition and grit that you had. And my experience is you just can't teach grit. So if there's more money than you need for your lifestyle and you're raising your kids where they're not worried about how food gets put on the table, this is exactly why I think we have an opportunity to change the definition of success. Because no longer is success necessary to be tied to the money. If there's more than you need, if you're in a state of abundance. And so helping the wealth creator think differently about success, because gosh, think about how paralyzing that is for their kids, right? right? You see your parents or grandparents where they achieve this, even society thinks it's the pinnacle of success. And there's no way you can outdo them. So sometimes that means you just don't do anything. And how do you live up to the expectation or hope of, of someone that really got struck by lightning with the level of financial success that they had? It's It can be- It's, it's an unlikely event, in other words. It, no, the, it can the, be the, so the difficult. The level of success that they had is just not statistically possible. And so- the the likelihood of then living as the heirs, the the, the children and grandchildren, great grandchildren, and I was thinking of our good friend Dirk, and and we won't use his last name, but we went to his family home for a dinner one night, remember? And it was it was like walking into a huge castle almost, and and we're looking and and I'm like and and. Dirk, and he said to all of us, he's like, well, this is where we would come for Wednesday night dinner. This was our night to have dinner here Wednesday night. And it was just, we had a lot of fun. We play in the pool. We got tradition. We were all standing there going, oh my God. And so in the kid's eyes is different mm -hmm. than the parent or grandparent. Yeah. Or the people around them, Tim. So here we are. And, and who knows what's going on in all of the folks that we were with their minds, but there's a little like ooing and eyeing typically, yeah. right? The world yeah. kind of looks at you and like, this is the dream. And we talked about in our last conversation that the rich are, the wealthy are envied. Like you dream of that castle, having that castle. Right, right. And then you hate people that have it. And mm -hmm. it's even, at least if you're the wealth creator, you worked for it. So when you have this castle that you grow up in, it's normal to you. But when you invite your friends over and they're like, oh, their jaws on the floor when they walk in, it changes the way that people view you and think about you. And 
you didn't pick it. <laughs> you didn't pick this life. It can be really challenging. When I, I, I think about um, the royal family, because I, I know everybody talks about succession and they talk about Yellowstone and I love Yellowstone. I, I you know, obviously being from the Rocky Mountain area, I like Yellowstone really quite. And, and a lot of things about Yellowstone, the land and the challenges and everything are really quite true. But I think it's interesting in the in the crown. Have you watched the crown at all? I know Yellowstone, so. but I don't know the crown. So the crown is, by the way, the most expensive show ever produced. Mm. Um, but the but it 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 shows the queen at a very young age when she became queen, okay. and it's a story of her really coming into her own. But her upbringing prepared her for her role, even though they never thought she would have that role. Mm. And then when she got the role, and she is the queen, remember she's head of the church, okay. head of the country, head of the family. In that order. What a job. <laughs> and so she is overwhelmed by the decisions she has to make, which are ramifications beyond belief. And she's counseling with her uncle that abdicated the throne because hmm. her father passed away, right? So, and her mother becomes really her right arm counsel. But what you realize is how isolated she is in those decisions, how isolating the wealth is, how isolated the family becomes, because they can't go anywhere without anybody knowing who they are, what they're doing. And so I, I think of that as a great extreme example. Oh, yeah. Because the children, you know, the formal schools, the 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 regiment, the, the really detailed I don't want to call that it that it's scripted, but their life has got a lot of elements to teach them a lot about how to cope with this. Oh, yeah. So in a regular family, is there not a regular family like, I suppose, I don't know if the, there's not a regular family in the world <laughs> anymore, but let's just say a family that you worked with. Are, are, is there an age that you see that the idea of money changed, like the concept or reality of money, does it? Oh, that's interesting. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Well, let, let me, uh, I want to address one thing real quick and then yeah. I'll answer your question. So yeah. let's hold on to that one. Yep. Um, yep. But, but what that, what you just described raised for me something that's really important, I think, for all of us to realize that it's weird that every, the, <laughs> the example you described is an extreme, but having more than those around you, more than most people in the world. It is weird. I think families themselves are really hard. Add on top of that, the challenge of being the the next in line for the throne. I mean, that's really weird. But even just having the a bigger house than all your friends, being mm -hmm. able to go on an extra vacation, right? I have many clients that tell me, that they lie about where their kids go to private school. They lie about where they go on vacation. That they have their working class in their job. They never bring their coworkers home to their home. They never invite them to their home because of what you just said about walking into Dirk's place. People will just look at you differently when you have more. Yeah. And it changes the dynamic of the relationship. And so I think arming part of our job is to help arm the next generation for how to deal how to yep. flourish in the shadow of this success that they did nothing to earn that is our role and i think philanthropy is one of the ways 
that we talked about to be able to help people feel less guilt and shame about the well, position that they're in paying it forward. I love that because it is a great tool. It's one of the tools in the in the toolbox that we pull from, right? And I think the question of age, I want to go back and preface yes, I that got though, it. because yes. we know that the families, you you said it twice now, the the children are born into the family. They had no choice in this, nor did the grandchildren. It's all part of life. It's all part of the evolution, right? So there's an expectation, I think, that sometimes we have to teach the parents and grandparents about this. And that is, you know, there's a disconnect on expectations with the kids. So, you know, the kids are raised in this. And yet, I want you to talk a little bit about... Oh my gosh, you're setting your kids up to fail, Tim. I have... So I promise you I'm going to get to the age question, but imagine... But it goes to the question, you know what I mean? It totally does. Yeah, so... When, when does it, I'll start there. So when does it change? I honestly think, so, so many times parents will say, I just don't want to tell my kids about the wealth. I don't want it to, you know, impact their work ethic or their, the way they view themselves or other people view them. And the truth is your kids already know. So when you're really little, you go, you have a perspective. You probably can't put words around it like we're doing today. But you know that Jimmy's house is smaller than yours or bigger that approach the kids in their class about an article they read about their family and their family's wealth. Two clients that this happened to, that the the door opener to a conversation about the family's business or wealth was driven by a teacher. Wild. So I think, you know, you're different from a really young age. And so- I would encourage all parents and grandparents talk about it. I know it's hard to talk about money. It's make the uncomfortable more comfortable. Say this is weird. I don't know what to do either. This to say as a parent, I'm struggling too. This is weird for me. Let me tell you what happened to me at work today or the little snide comment that somebody made when they came into our house about how lucky we are, right? Like sharing about being vulnerable, being authentic, just saying, I don't know. And let's talk about it. Doing that with your elementary school kid. So that's the, that's how I would talk about the age, Tim. I love that example because exactly, you don't know because it's going to come from the wrong place at the wrong time if you don't address it. But I was thinking, you know, my mind was going to when you're 16 or 18 and you're you're thinking about a part-time job, you know, like I, I worked in high school in a photo map booth. They don't even exist anymore, but I loved it because I could study and people, people, my friends would swing by and talk to me. I mean, it was, the, it was kind of an ideal job. But yeah. It, and I think I got a raise to 335 an hour in those days or something. Ooh, I don't know. But the idea it. was that, you know, I think the expectation my parents had was that I would work. And uh, I think that it's also very difficult for some of the children that I think about and the kids or the young adults who have had a career path different than what the family's business was or or in, in managing if they had a family officer, if they just had a lot of wealth. 
and they want to be the school teacher. They want to be the forest ranger. They want to be the, they want to be the singer or art teacher. I mean, they're not set up to have the lifestyle. You know, there's a disconnect. Yeah. So I, my, I have so much to say about this Okay. that I think when one, the definition of success, going back to the title of our conversation, that if money isn't your motivator, you need a reason to get off the couch. I've never met a happy person that has no reason to get off the couch, right? That works for like a weekend watching streaming services. It gets old. And when you're the only one that can do it, it's really lonely. So you need a reason to get off the couch. I do not care if money, if you have enough wealth to sustain your needs, your lifestyle, why not live purposefully this whole notion in our society about hard work, that work is supposed to be a struggle, that it's supposed to be difficult? Why do we wish that on our kids? Why does the struggle, why is that necessary? Instead, being a teacher or being a starving artist or being a guitar player, I don't care. I think if you get up every day and do something, if you're just volunteering, if you're a stay-at-home parent, that's a way harder job yeah. than oh, an 80-hour wow. work week. So I, I, I think productive. So you use the term productive. I think I would use the term purposeful. So if you're doing something that is fulfilling and contributing to society, it doesn't have to be about the salary. And that is really hard often for the person that spent their whole life striving for a salary to let go of. Well, and if you're a parent, the expectation then of the children, there has to be some responsibility of the parent or grandparent when you're taking and going on your own American Airlines plane to a vacation. So, you know, it's a really cute story, but, but there has to be some responsibility there. So how do the kids come out of the shadow? How do we, you know, what is the definition of success? I think it's skewed right now. Oh, and I think it depends on the person, right? So helping people to reflect on what makes you happy, what brings you joy, what makes you feel fulfilled. If money is not an object, if 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 you do not if if you could do anything money aside how would you spend your time this is if and who knows with the way ai is headed right we all might be in a position where our jobs are done by technology so then what are we going to do how about we do things that bring us joy we do things that contribute back to society in some way if if money doesn't need to be the motivator. So how do you get out of the shadow? Find, re, first of all, redefine that the shadow isn't as great as everyone thinks. As a society, I'd love right. for us to change our overarching definition of success. That if you're living a well life, if you're contributing back, that's the most successful you could be. <laughs> you might not be making a dollar doing it. I catch myself and I catch people all the time when they say, well, this person's really successful. I I always say, what do you mean by that? And we almost always mean the same thing, that they have a lot of money or they made a lot of money. But those are some of the least happy people. I know. 
Who are the happy people you know? Me, you. Right. I think I when think- you're driven with purpose, right? If you have a if you stop and ask yourself and encourage your kid encourage your kids, what brings you joy? And do more of that and celebrate them rather yep. than be embarrassed and and disappointed, right? Celebrate as a family, I think, even having a conversation about what success means to us. We've, I wrote, you know, I've written some white papers and uh, I've, I've spoke on a couple other, uh, I did a webinar and, and podcast and I've spoken on diversity. And I believe that, you know, the families have to embrace their LGBTQ members of the family because they have a voice too. And my own story is always interesting because I think that, and although nobody's ever said this, but I think there's always a fear of working because we were in a rural part of the world, Wyoming, that that if I was working in the family business or even think, God forbid, running the family business, that that couldn't happen because you're gay or because you're lesbian, so or, you know, but the, but I don't think it's the fault. I, I think that it's a societal problem right now. I think it's the way we perceive things in general. But wealth creates opportunity. Wealth also creates the ability to do things. I think it was in Moneyball uh, when the head of the uh, Red Sox is offering Brad Pitt, who's the head of the athletics, you know, the salary, and he would be the most highly paid general manager in the history of baseball. And he says, wealth has privilege, and it allows us to do things when we think it's the right thing to do. I'm paraphrasing that a little bit. Yeah, I, I know the movie. But I think that in this case, then great things can come from self-actualization if we can actually make sure all of our youth, all of the rising generation have a voice. And it's never too late. Because a lot of times our clients are in their 40s, 30s. I mean, the families sometimes talk about their kids like they're little kids. And I I was going, wait a minute, I'm confused. Are you talking about your grandchildren? They're adults with their own little kids. (laughs) (laughs) So confused. And they start laughing. Because they'll say, well, you know, Jill, she was when she was nine, she always had a tantrum because she wouldn't eat her dinner. And so we know she's always had an issue with food. And I'm like, okay, I know Jill and I've never seen her not eat what she wants to eat. So the baggage and the stories that we bring forward from the past, right? So seeing our adult children for who they are. And even just to go to your example there about Moneyball, right? I don't, I don't, I don't have this the, the movie memorized, but I I would even ask us as a society to question why we're celebrating that Brad's position would be the most highly paid person in that role. That I, I wouldn't like to take a huge step back and say that, that m- the money isn't the de- definer of good, of great. Well, he says that, remember, because he doesn't take the role and he tells... um Oh my God! I just it went right out of my head. Who's the the Jonah? Yeah, the, yeah. The psychic Jonah. He says, "I made a decision many years ago, all about money, and it was I'll never do it again." Okay, perfect. Yes. And that's a good example of what it we're is. talking about, right? So, I, I think it's never too late for families to never sort of think about it. And philanthropy, I think, is one of the best things that we can do to help 
look beyond the family, like separate it and feel good about work. Um, yeah, the, the two things I would say are one, this idea of reframing what you want, what's what is the goal, reframing that from the very beginning when you have more money than you need, right? So that's just not the case for most people. But if you're in that blessed position, you have one of the blessings you have is the opportunity to pause and ask what is success for us. So starting there. And then I think philanthropy mm -hmm. is a tool in the toolbox to say, how can we activate this blessing that we've been given to create the change we want to see in ourselves and in the world? And what's so cool, we talked about this, that philanthropy, the gift of giving to others, what you get back is magic. The, right. the fulfillment that you get from giving to others is exponentially better than spending on yourself. There's research that proves that. And so I think helping, helping, so we talked about how do we help inheritors, the next generation, see the wealth as a blessing, not a burden. This is the key, redefining success and activating it in a way. You, you, and it could just be that you have more time to be with your kids, be with your significant other, to help in right. the community. Doesn't have to just be through giving away money, right? It can be giving your time. Well, it's I think so powerful. It's 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 a message. Excuse me, excuse me. Yes, you. Thanks so much for listening to the Rainbow Bull. We hope you're enjoying it so far. And if you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, you can find us at www.tvolco.com. And all our social media platforms are listed in the show notes. I'll give you an example. We were in Rome last couple weeks ago. We were in Rome. And uh, I, we were in the shopping district down by the Spanish Steps. And, of course, it's only 105. And it is hotter. <laughs> Great than, day to be shopping is, outside. <laughs> so I'm, like, not wanting to be outside. We're trying to find this really cool cafe that's the oldest cafe. And we're just going to go in and have coffee and something to eat. But the lines outside every major major store. But what's the big fancy store? Belega Vinza. Um, I can never say it. Um, anyway, all of the Italian designers were huge lines. Yeah. And I was thinking about how many people in that line really should be in that line. Oh. And what, is what, that line? How many? Zero. Because <laughs> is the is the purchase of now i love high do not get me wrong i love all my designer clothes i love clothes i like certain looks i like cars I, I love things like that yeah but i have to say that if that's the only thing you're gonna go for in that i mean you can appreciate all that but if that's the end goal it's ephemeral it's empty it goes back to that conversation we had about trying to keep up with our the Joneses. The notion that more is better, that if only I had that Balenciaga bag or mm -hmm. belt or whatever they sell there, that then I'd be happy. And so, and the reason I say zero is I'm not sure the the cost is more than the cost financially. So standing outside in 110 degree heat 
Is it worth it? What are you giving up? What could you be doing in Rome besides standing in line <laughs> at a store? I, so I'm not I, I'm not judging the desire for the bag. No, that's right. I want to make But putting yourself in debt to get it, that doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And also put what what are you if you're a tourist in Rome? Whew, the opportunity that you're missing out on being in a, the line yeah. that you could buy all the thing online. Yeah, that's when I started laughing. I'm like, can't you go online and get most of what you're looking at? I mean, but the idea of shopping and air conditioning. So I will Ooh. give people credit that there was air conditioning and you can go in and shop. And I like that. But the but bringing it back to helping people find a greater sense of happiness in their lives, particularly yeah. the people that are coming out of the shadow and in some cases, the shadow doesn't have to be a big shadow. In our last episode, we talked about that 80% of inheritors, um, Jay Hughes has talked about this, that 80% of inheritors are feel a burden to the wealth, 10% feel it's a gift, and 10% feel it's somewhere in between. I think that burden falls back on us as an older generation. I'm older than you, but I'm, I'm thinking that, that the, as we nurture people, we need to explain more about money we have to understand our relationship with money, but then it helps them to understand their relationship with money, where we spend our time, where we spend our effort. Yeah, something we didn't talk about, Tim, that you just raised for me is the I, I had I was on a panel at a conference, and one of the women on the panel was sharing a story about how her grandmother, her family grew up in poverty, and her grandmother had fifty thousand dollars, and that her mother and her four siblings, so uh, aunts and uncles, so there was five next gens from the grandmother, they got into an enormous family fight and lawsuit over the inheritance of $50,000. How $50,000 split amongst the five, the grandmother gave more to some of the siblings than others of $50,000. So now you will work with 50 millionaires, but that the family dynamics imploded because of a sense of inequality and unfairness in an inheritance of $50,000. So what I would say to our listeners is it's not about the, it's about the money, but it's not about the money. It's that money's tied to this sense of, wow, she must've loved my brother or sister more Mm -hmm. since she made the decision to give them more. So doesn't matter if it's 50,000 or 50 million talking about it remembering what really matters to the family cuz gosh to us that can seem crazy but the way it feels to the and even this granddaughter's telling the story on a panel of how much it destroyed the relationships in her family it matters rich or poor i would love to have us share thoughts with the listeners about how do they take and pivot from this? Because I think that there's hope by what you're saying in our rising generation. I, I see it. I, I don't think that they see a, a, a optimism right now in some of the world because we seem like we're really threatening a lot of, of, of our freedoms of our, of our of right to freedom and, and, um, and I think that's what's really an odd time right now. Although I'm optimistic that that will actually create people stepping forward to say this isn't right and we need freedom. We have to have a voice. So 
if, you know, one, I want everybody that's listening. If you have stories, send them to us. We want to hear if you've got experiences that you've had, it'd be great because Jill and I'll come back online and we will discuss those. And then I think the concept we raised in the last uh, podcast was the, and I want to riff on this is creating your own. I want to empower the rising generation to say, look, if you have a family ritual and some of the family falls off. So I know that with my grandmother's passing, a lot of our family dinners passed. We don't do them anymore. And there was a fight in the family and there's been some, you know, both sides, not something that they think we can all come together. It's comedy is that we've had to tell our parents, you know, we all talk, all the cousins and, and brothers and sisters, we still talk. So I think we have to create our own. And it, we, and I think a lot of times they don't feel like they can, but you can. You can yeah. actually say we're going to celebrate um, August 10th, the, 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 the day of, let's say it was the passing of your favorite relative. We're going to honor all the relatives. Like we're going to have an honoring our relatives day or something. You could create something. Oh. I love traditions, Tim. I I love what you're raising, that even if there was damage of family relationships in previous generations, you don't have to carry that forward forever. So the fact that you still talk to your cousins, despite some challenge in the past, is beautiful. And it's such a great reminder that we all can take ownership for our relationships. There's another concept that um, I think the notion of being included, or you mentioned about continuing the family dinners. You know, what happens is people start to fall off. So some people stop attending and then there's anger about that and resentment. And it's really discouraged to bow out. And I have this, not much in my work is black or white. I like to live in the gray. I think most things, there's not a, a right or wrong answer, but I, this is one that I really feel strongly about that is When you are in a room with no doors, you're dying to get out. All you can think about if you're locked in a cage is escaping the cage. So, so many times, what, and this doesn't have anything to do with wealth. For our kids, our grandkids, we want to keep them together so bad. And so often we create structure that forces the togetherness. And by opening the door of the cage, most people stay, but just the nature of the door being open gives you the freedom to leave. And I love the saying of leave the light on. So invite people to come to dinner. Don't right. give them any shit if they don't. Give them an out and then say you're welcome back anytime. Anytime. Yeah. And, t- and, and, and feel like you could be the one that can do it. Like if you don't think anybody else is going to do it, do it. Don't Leave, wait. Come back. Open door policy, right? If if we really care at the heart of it about the family relationships, boy, why why force people to do anything? That's so inauthentic. So in our work, we have I have a couple clients that say, "Gosh, I just hate. What are you doing this weekend? Well, I'm gonna go. Got to take the kids to the grandparents. Like you don't sound excited about it. Well, no, but I, I just know if I don't do it, then." They're going to cut off the distributions. I mean, who wants a relationship that's based on no. money? That's no. so inauthentic, right? I would hate it if somebody was spending time with me only because they felt like they had to for my gift. Don't. 
No. And, and I mean, and I think that's the reality of it. So, but you also have to give the opportunity to create those relationships. You have to give the opportunity to make it happen. I've, I've said that a lot of times in, and and and, I, and we're going to wrap this up quickly. But I want in the in the gay in the LGBT world, LGBTQ, the gay community. In my experience, a lot of things get said when people come out, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter whether it was a parent coming out or the kids coming out. There's mm-hmm. there's a lot of times a rift that occurs, and it's just an example of when family rifts occur. Uh-huh. And I think that I've said to my the friends of mine that I'm counseling who are usually part of the are gay or lesbian or part of the LGBTQ element that, you know, you've been thinking about this for a long time. Your parent or, 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 or child may not have had any warning, any sign of it. So they have to, it's a, it's a process. It's, it's, it, leave the door open. Oh, Tim, uh, we're not going to be it. our best selves right in that moment. Just what you just said, we are, we are, not always our best selves. So when you share something that you have been thinking about forever, have some compassion and understanding that the person might not react perfectly the first time. That's such a great reminder. And it's okay to be hurt. Like, and it's, it's okay right. to talk about you hurt my feelings. That and and it's not acceptable. But I love you and I want to work on it. Exactly. Let me or even I need to think about it. Yeah. It's pause. okay to say that. Pause. Totally. Pause. Oh, I you, love this. We could go on and on. You're the best. You're a, this is such a blessing. Thank oh you. Oh my gosh. It has been so fun. Uh I think the the gift here is having the ability to talk about this. And I hope we get to play 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 this forward a little more. I think we're also gonna have an episode about uh relationships and money like how are uh, couples how we how money gets handled in couples because it's a whew, complicated there's it's no complicated. equality typically in a relationship in i was a gonna you're you're when i asked you the other day i said what's something that you don't get to say to everybody that you'd like to say you know in your work what did you say the other day i don't remember probably this is weird and hard and i probably said this is it's fucked that's right <laughs> He said, this is fucking not normal. This is crazy. And I and I thought, yeah, it is not normal. It's not what we it's you know, fucking hard. That's it's what hard. it is. It's fucking hard. And it we can, but we can make it better. We can make it better. So if uh anybody wants to get a hold of you, how do they do that, Joel? Jay Shipley at TiedemanAdvisors.com or reach out to Tim and he will get us in touch. <laughs> you can reach me at Tim.VolkaTVolko.com or call me at 312-636-5855. We really appreciate you listening to us. And I hand it over to my dear friend, Patrice. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Uh, Tim and Jill, this was fantastic. I look forward to the couple's discussion i look forward to discussion of all those episodes of rather those experiences that we're going to hear from listeners because listeners are going to send in their experiences to your email one more time tim tim.tvolkotvolkco.com and that is going to be one heck of an experience i'm sure that we'll hear about all right listeners there's a lot more where this came from right make sure you don't miss any of it subscribe or follow to tim's podcast and share for heaven's sakes. I'm Patrice Sikora, and thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to the Rainbow Bull Podcast. Visit our website at www.tvolco.com 
or give us a call at 312-636-5855. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of T. Volk and Company Consulting. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.